our finances. And today we're talking about money. Um, a f- number of years ago, we had a ministry leader in for a conference, and he told a story that still sits with me. It was a story of, of um, a friend of his that was a really high-level uh, business leader, and they would meet together. And as they were checking in, he started sharing. He goes, well, things are going really well at their position. He just got another raise. Now he's responsible for a very big part of the world in, in this very large company. And as a believer, um, he was just really encouraged that God continued to allow him, even though it was a stressful uh, position. And then as they continued to talk, this person said, well, hard part of our life is our, is our young teenage daughter. She is, right? She is just going in her own direction. All right? She's got the wrong guy. She's wearing the wrong clothes. She's with the wrong people. So, you know, even though I'm traveling more and more, uh, you know, it's been really stressful on our marriage because we're continuing to have put in barriers. It's almost like every, every time we try to put, you know, governors and, you know, on her, it just, everything gets worse. And my friend, instead of giving sympathy or comfort, uh, looked at him and said, wow, you got a terrible story. And he was kind of taken back. It's like, yeah, you need to get a better story. Why would your daughter want to join you in your current story that you're in? So with great loving Christian words, he, uh, the gentleman left and he says he was pretty upset. He was upset at him. He was upset at those words that were hard words to hear. And then they started to sink in and kind of marinate in his heart. And he knew his daughter. So he went to his daughter, and this businessman said, Hey, um, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a shelter in our town that, we've, that we have been to. What if we collected these things and we, we took it down to them? And, his, and he knew this was a big part of his daughter's heart. And his daughter looked at him and said, yeah, right, Dad, what's the angle? He says, no, no, let's do this. So they collected things. They went to their neighbors. They collected a bunch of goods, and they brought it down. Had an unbelievable experience. They found out some more needs, so they went out and collected more. And all of a sudden, he came back and said, this daughter started to transform. The wrong friends were gone. The terrible boyfriend was all of a sudden just MIA. He was gone. And her passion became serving others. Their family's passion became serving. And the strange thing that he didn't see happening was he went in to his work and said, I need a demotion. Like, what? Like, I love this part of my, you know, without, he didn't say it this way, but he loved this part of his story so much that he says, I can't be traveling. I understand part of the career suicide that I might be doing here. But this, this new adventure that we're taking with my family is so much better than the adventure that my career was giving me. 
As we come to this place in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks to us about our, about our resources and money. Let me read from Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is a lamp of the body, and if your eyes are healthy, the whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, the whole body will be full of darkness. And if then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Let's pray. Father, bless your word to us. Thank you that you speak to us about things that are oftentimes hard to hear, but they're the things we need to hear. And Father, would your word read us this morning when it comes to our our finances and the treasures we hold. Holy Spirit, um, open up to each of us individually what you would want us to know through these words of Scripture, in Jesus' words. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, as we continue on in the uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, it is it it just kind of hit me this morning as we were driving as as my wife Pam and I were driving here that if all the things that Jesus spoke about in the Sermon on the Mount, how many of them are crucially um, still relevant today? I think most of us, if we were transported back 2,000 years ago, would be fish out of water, right? And the things that were really big issues, in the, um, it would, we would not, it would take us a while to understand them, not that they would be outside of our understanding. And yet, almost all of the things that Jesus comes and talks about, almost every sermon we've talked about are timeless. I don't know if you've studied ancient documents but we just step back when people go, oh, the Bible is, I go, the Bible is irrelevant. It's an old document. Go read older documents. You'll get the, you'll, you, you know, the, the translation of it sometimes can be lost. And it just was so encouraging to go, how amazing is the father that Jesus, when he's speaking, he goes right to the heart of the issues that are still at the heart of our society. Um, there doesn't seem to be a blip in the screen. And I think sometimes we can take that for, we can take that for granted. Jesus is talking about our finances. And, um, and as we read the scripture, the first, uh, first thing I would, first, first point I would make is this. Jesus says, our treasure reveals our story. How we look at money, how we deal with our finances, what we treasure in our life reveals a story about us. Almost every time I've gone to a new job, a new organization, they will tell me, maybe you've had this experience, we believe in A, we believe in C, this is what we're about. They will tell me what their story is. 
And then you have to ask a very important question, which is, can I see your budget? Because the budget is the real story of what that organization says. And I have many, I have many examples. They can say that they really believe in something, but if you look at the budget and there's no, no resources and no investment in it, you kind of have to raise your hand and say, do you really believe in this? Not too dissimilar um, for my short time um, in investment banking. Going to a conference, listening to um, CEOs and CFOs present a company and they would tell a story. And then you would do the fundamental analysis of that stock and realize, no, 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 what is really happening? How much is really coming in? How, you know, what is... What do the numbers really tell? Because the numbers tell a very specific story. And in the same way, Jesus is saying, do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth. Our treasure, what we treasure, tells a story about us. And in the middle of it, Jesus says this in verse 22. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, the whole body is full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, the whole body will be full of darkness. Jesus makes it clear that when it comes to our finances, he uses this picture of our eyes. And not to go too far down the road uh, for time's sake, but when it comes to our uh, how we how we view things. If our finances and our relationship to money blinds us, his very words are this, then if the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? There is something about, um, about our culture and the cultures we live in and the temperature they set and how we think about where we invest, and how we spend our money. And it is really hard work to break through that normalcy of this is just the kind of the tacit understanding of this is what I should do with my money because this is what we all do with it. This is the values of our culture. You have to fight hard to break through that. Our treasures, how we spend money, how we view it, how we invest in it, it tells a story. So the first question when Jesus is talking is this, what, what story is your treasure telling you? How you spend money, what is the real story? Not what is the story you would like your life to tell, but if we cross-referenced it with our giving, does that line up? Is there dissidence between those two things? Not only does our treasure reveal our story, our treasure also reveals our hearts. So Jesus in, in the Sermon on the Mount is constantly going to the heart of the issue, right? And realizing that when people gave, that you could give the right amount you could do all the right things. You could tie the right amount, give the right ceremonies, but still be facing away from God. You could do that and still be greedy. So Jesus goes to the heart, right? 
And we see this. There's all, how many examples, right? The widow's might, she gave more than they all did. Jesus always goes to the heart. He never wants us to be fooled that our exterior righteousness, what we, what, how other people think, God goes, no, no, no. Man looks at the ex- right outside, but God, he looks at the heart. So when it comes to our giving, God, Jesus goes back to the heart, right? And he's always contrasting um, within, uh, for us and within the um, uh, Sermon on the Mount, the spirit of the law versus the letter of the law. Oh, yeah, you're doing everything correctly on paper, but your hearts are far from me, right? You've heard that theme, and Jesus is hitting it each time. It comes to murder, even if you hate somebody in your heart, as Pastor Calvin talked about. When it comes to our sexuality, even if you're lusting, right? You're not committing adultery. You know what? Maybe, maybe you are. When it comes to our finances, when it comes to our money, Jesus says, this is an area that you have to be careful. And so again, he's retelling all the stories of Israel, Right? The people that he's talking to have this rich history. So when he says these things, there's a ripple effect through, you know, that goes through it. And just before Jesus talks about this, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Our treasures reveal our heart. He says this. He says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do so, you will have no reward from your father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues or on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, you, they have received uh, their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what the right hand is doing. So that your giving may be in secret, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Right? In other words, he's saying, right? So we don't have this problem in, in our society at all, right? Because I have never seen anybody post of something they're doing, right? <laughs> you know, out feeding the homeless, hashtag blessed. I've never seen that, right? right? I don't know what you're doing most of the time, but I know exactly when you're doing something that somehow ups things on the social media score. Oh, yeah, rescued a dog today. By the way, I don't know what the algorithm is um, on TikTok, but it says that I love to watch videos of animals being rescued because I do, and it just keeps sending me, and they're the sweetest thing. But whatever that is, there's a feedback loop. What does that have? I don't know why I said it. But anyways, there's a feedback loop that we love, and people loved it back then. It's no different. It's the same hearts that we have. And Jesus says, when it comes to the Father, he wants it, again, the treasure for our hearts, not to be, right, something we place on ourselves, but something that comes from him and I. Father, what do you want to do? In your giving, in your relationship with money, do you have a heart that says, I, God, I, this is yours. I, I want to do with the money what you want me to do with it. No one has to know. In your relationship with money, have you ever met somebody like this? That just as they hold their money so loosely. I had this 
strange experience with somebody in our culture that was like this. When I was working as the executive director at City Team, um, uh, without going through the whole story, our building flooded out. Somebody hit the fire hydrant in front of our building and literally flooded the building. We had to leave the building for a year. We didn't know what we were going to do. Um, and in the middle, about a month after it, I got a phone call from a gentleman that I had known and said, hey, can I meet with you? So I met with him, and he started asking me all these questions. And I just thought he was meeting with me to encourage me. Then I kind of figured out halfway through, it took me a while, that he was actually figuring out what I needed. And the question was, in so many words, so how many millions of dollars do you need? <laughs> now, we weren't at that place because of insurance, because the building is a long-term rental. It wasn't something. And it woke me up, and I'm like, wait a minute. You're asking me, you actually called a meeting with me in order to see how much money you might give to our ministry? Like, you, you don't meet these people. And then, as he was talking, I realized, I said, wait a minute. Did you give this other ministry that I know? Did you, are you the ones behind them? And then he, he kind of went, yeah. <laughs> and then he said this, said this, uh, this expression. He said, yeah, um, when I call the people that manage his money, he says, they look at me and they go, this is, this is not a smart idea. <laughs> you shouldn't be giving this much money to this very small nonprofit. And he says, yeah, I know. So thank you for sharing that. Now send them the check. All right. In, and what I, what I had found out, because I'd known him for years, but I, 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 did, I did know that he is a true, what in Silicon Valley we would call a true unicorn. And because, because it was secret, I'd known him for years and not known this is who he was. And he said, God has called my wife and I to invest in the kingdom. So we're always looking for opportunities. I just, it, it, I walked away with a different appreciation and a different standard of, wow, Father, thank you for not just this man and his generosity and his heart. How can I be like this within, 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 my, um, within, within my small circle? So we see that our treasure reveals our story. Our treasure reveals our heart. And then Jesus gets personal. He says, our treasure reveals our master. He says, no one can serve two masters. Jesus becomes very binary here. See, God knew how easy it would be for our material possessions to overtake us. Right? A few weeks ago, I talked about how easy it is for something like, uh, for, for lust it's almost like walking on a steep hill, and if we are not in it, it's easy to tumble down that hill. But from the very beginning, God knew that our material possessions would be easy to overtake us. So our giving back to God is one of the primary ways we express our faith to God. That's his choice. And this is why giving is built into God's story. You think about the uh, uh, beginning of the book of Genesis. 
Cain and Abel, bring me a sacrifice. Right? Through the Old Testament, remember, the first fruits, the first and best things that you're produced need to come back to God. Why? Because God is somehow needs that? No, no, he doesn't. We do. That God's, God's desire is that that would never, ever get between us and him. Us giving frees us in our relationship with God. Because if not, it will become our master. And he says you can't serve two masters. Is your faith stuck? Do you ever feel like your faith, like, I wish it was deeper, I wish it was stronger? How is your relationship with your giving, with money, with your possessions, those things that you treasure? Is that the thing, is, is that an area that is holding you back? The worries of this world, when we concentrate on those. What are you investing in? What is your family investing in? Again, God doesn't need us to give to him, but he says it very clearly. And if there's any red flashing, you know, light on the dashboard of our lives here, it's Jesus saying, either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be voted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. He will do anything to make sure that nothing is between us. And so this is a hard expression because we go, well, it's not just that clear, right? It's not just, it's not just black and white. Jesus goes, no, it's actually black and white. We have to be really careful in this area. Not only does that our treasure reveal who our master is, and that is, right, um, that is nothing that many times we want to admit that something has really mastered us, but our treasure reveals eternity. You see, God's design from the start was that, we, that his people would be generous people because he is a generous God. And if you looked, if if we went back and we're just going to do a short jaunt through kind of like kind of go back out, big picture it, right? So when God gave Israel the promised land, um, it sits right in the middle of all the continents, right? So if you if you were to look, you could see that the trade routes from Asia, from Europe, through Africa, all had to come through Israel. And you don't get very far. It is a small strip. You get up to Jerusalem, and then you go down the hill, and it's desert. I mean, not just desert, it's desert. Right? So you had to come through Israel. That's why they were always being conquered. Because if you held that land, you held your, right, you held your economic trade route. That's one of the reasons why in the history of Israel over thousands of years, Assyria comes down, the Egyptians come up. They wanted to hold that land. So now think about, here are the rules that Jesus, I'm sorry, that God said to the people of Israel. Here are the rules that he builds into the laws. He says, 
First and foremost, when people, the sojourners, the people who are coming through your land, don't pick the ends of your crops. Why? So they can eat as they go through their land. Every other country was polytheistic. They believed in multiple gods. Israel was monotheistic. It was one God. They were strange to everybody. No one understood that. And in that, all the rules were very different. There was no surety. You weren't supposed to charge interest on loans. They had cities that were to be uh, cities of refuge. If you were in trouble, you could go there and be taken care of. And usually that had to do with money or owing people. Every 50 years in the country, all debts were to be canceled out. All land returned to their original owners. So there wouldn't be these lifelong rivalries within families within the tribes. So God builds generosity into the very fabric of Israel as an example for other nations, right? This curiosity. Their people were to be marked by generosities in ways that just confounds other people. In other words, when everybody else holds tight and goes to war and does these things for their economic freedom, the people of God, we hold on to God tightly and we let go of our economic freedom because we know who really holds it. What am I going to do for my retirement? We don't hold on tighter to that. How am I going to pay for my daughter's college? No, really, how am I going to pay for my daughter's college? <laughs> but you know, I've, I've got two of them. You know, but the idea is that we hold on tighter to God. We don't hold on tighter to our resources. We place everything in his hands. This is always who, the relationship that God wants us to have with him. And it becomes the question, God, can I really trust you with this? And he says, try me and see. And the reward is we get more of God. We don't get more money. Oh, if I give God, if I give you a dollar, I'll get three in return. It's like, no, no, God isn't isn't a Ponzi scheme. God goes, no, you get more of me. And sometimes I will take care of your needs in certain ways. But you'll have deeper peace. My voice will get louder. The fruit of the Spirit will start to fill your life. We get a better portion of God. And there's peace. We don't have anything. How you doing? Never been better. The gift for me of working in downtown San Francisco with the poor is to see people with nothing that oftentimes were more, were deeply content. And it was, um, it was, it was beautiful. This is who God, I believe, is calling us to be, to walk closely with him, that we're always holding on to him. Again, we go from this picture, this picture of the nation of Israel, God wanting to be their God and him be their people, to the early church. Acts chapter 2 says this. When God comes in and creates the church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to one another who had need. 
And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. Do you hear how that natural response of them saying no one had any needs, and in fact, we would sell off property to take care of other people? It was the immediate response when the Holy Spirit came. And then you see, right? Then we see the reputation. They enjoyed favor with other people. How do you hate a generous people? How do you despise people that are generous? How, how are you not, as Caitlin said, the salt of the earth, right? A city on a hill. This is who God calls us to be. You see, the way to a better story with God is our right relationship with our treasure. And so as we end today, what adventure does God want to take you on? The first step is just daily. It's not just a one time. It's just the daily. God, this belongs to you. I've had these moments where I say, just to be clear, Father, what I have, this, 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 these all, they all came from you. And just to be clear, they all belong to you. What do you want to do with them? Thank you for this car every time you get in it. It belongs to you. Is there anything you want to do with it? As little as we have, as much as we have, constantly surrendering that to the Father. Is there any way you want to use it? And God says, oh, you really mean it? Like, yeah. On my way to college, our, me and my friend, our car broke down on the salt flats in Salt Lake City, and we limped in. And in the middle of trying to fix it, and it was not going to be fixed, 11 o'clock at night, we're calling my friend's father, who happened to be a mechanic, and uh, we don't know what to do. One of my other friends calls up his dad at the same time and says, wait a minute, I, have some, I know some people in Salt Lake City that are actually Christians. You should call them up. They gave me the number, it was 11 o'clock at night. I cold call this couple that I've never met, never seen, and just said, hey, we're stuck could we sleep on your floor tonight? He said, I'll be where are you at. I'll be right down to get you. We stayed with them for almost a week. And he said, God gave us this house and we gave it to him. And he said, we get these calls all the time. And they were the most beautiful family. Um, what is God calling us to do to have a better story? My friend, Paul, I'll use his real name. Um, he got a job offer. It was in another city, but it would have, and he had a really good job and would double his pay. So he went to his family and he said, this would be big. We'd have to move, but we would, my pay would be, my, my compensation would be doubling. What if we stayed at our level in every month, we gave away the other half of this of our resources. It's that sort of thinking to me that not only encourages and inspires me that says, this is what 
we do as people of God, God says, I want to take this adventure with you. Right? Don't wait till you've saved up enough to be comfortable in retirement to say, now can I enter into this? The time is now as a people, as individuals. It's hard to have this conversation. Um, And maybe your first step is having it with your family. Just asking that question. What do we spend money on and what what story is our money really telling us? Having it, if you're married, with your spouse. Individually, who do you have these conversations with? This is hard to be vulnerable uh, about finances. But you, can you enter into that to be, right, take that first step to say, you know, I don't have much, but this is, this is kind of what I'm thinking and this is kind of who I want to be. Those are powerful conversations. This week it might be reaching out to somebody, again, um, sitting down with your family, and I would encourage us, be brave to go to a place that is very uncomfortable. But if our relationship to money, as Jesus says, inadvertently, is it the thing keeping us from getting at more of who the Father is? And God says, I don't want anything to block that. He loves you. And he wants, I believe, um, as, as, as Jesus says here, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. As a congregation, let us set our treasure in the lap of our loving Savior, Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for these, um, these words that are very black and white and yet come from your heart of love because you don't want anything to block us. Just like you looked at the rich young ruler and it says you loved him and then said this one thing you lack, sell everything. And for him, Father, um, you knew that this was the issue. We ask, Father, that uh, whatever it is in our relationship, that you would speak to us with our treasure. And we put out our hands and we say, Father, everything I have is from you and it belongs to you. Would you teach us how to give you, how to hold on to our treasure loosely and hold on to you tightly. And we ask this, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen.